And hi, everybody. How are you today? It's Trish Carr. We're here with another episode of Be Real, Get Real with Women's Prosperity Network. And this show is all about being real and being yourself. You know, in today's comparison culture, so many of us are walking around with everything's great. My life is good. And we all look and we go, how come my life isn't that great? How come I have ups and downs? It seems like other people just have the perfect life. Well, I have a little bit of a roller coaster in mine. Well, don't we know that the fact is that we all have a little bit of a roller coaster. And here's the thing when it comes to business, people do business with people. They don't do business with business, right? It's the people that we work with. And those relationships and knowing the people and, and knowing who they really are goes to creating an affinity, which creates business. So this show is all about being real, because when you're real and you give yourself the opportunity to do that in front of other people, it gives them that same opportunity. So today I'm going to be talking about resilience. Is there anybody here who wouldn't like to have a little bit more of that? I know I would. Resilience is the thing that makes us pick ourselves up when things go wrong that pick ourselves up when things don't go the way we want it to. It's that little roller coaster of life that when we're on the way down, we can make ourselves come back up. And today's guest is gonna share all about her journey. So Munir Zahabi is the niche navigator. She is a speaker, an influencer, and an entrepreneur from Chicago, the big city. Through her business, she has influenced many people to navigate their niche. She's focused on the riches are in the niches, or the riches are in the niches. And that concept helps businesses reach their goals. Depending on the business goals, podcasting could fit very well in with the overall business purpose, enabling businesspreneurs to spread the word about why you do what you do in an engaging and interesting way. And it's an effective way to narrow your niche and your market and resonate with those people. So that's Munira's mission. She's on a mission to integrate the concept of nicheology, businessology, and I love this one, confidenceology. You'll hear all about Munira this morning. And welcome, Munira Zahabi. Greetings from Chicagoland. Thank you, Trish. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Greetings from Chicagoland. So, oh my gosh, Munira, it's my pleasure to have you here. You know, you and I have spoken before, and uh, you've been on another show that I do. And your story is so compelling. And every, you know, I talk about the roller coaster of life. Oh my goodness, what a roller coaster for you. And, I, you know, I don't even know where to start. That's where you, you're, but you're really high right now. Things are good for you. Things are good. It's kind you're of at the top of the roller coaster. Right. It's a stagnant period right now because if something isn't happening, then something isn't right in my life. Yeah. I, I heard one of the coaches tell us that you're in vibration all the time. And, you know, I'm not a physicist, but you have to be moving all the time. And that's what my life has all has been all about. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you've had, you know, how many grandchildren do you have? Eleven and a half? 
11 and a half the, the 12th one is arriving on september september the first week of september that's wonderful congratulations Thank and you. i know you're so proud of your kids and and your grandkids and you're lucky enough to have some of them around you which is great i know you're babysitting today as a matter of fact i am i am the, my two almost two-year-old grand granddaughter who thinks she's 22. <laughs> really she's already in that space okay lucky oh, yeah. you you have a lot ahead of you with her don't you <laughs> yes we do yeah well let's start with um let's start pre-covid because you know just before covid you took you had a really personal tra tragedy and and then we went into covid so share a little bit about what that was like for you and what happened so in 2018 my husband was um what started out as a routine check was to, we were told to go find a new nephrologist and go go find a you know go see him for second opinion by the time we got to the nephrologist was eight months down the road and we the first or second meeting we were looking at dialysis options and in my head i'm thinking this cannot be happening i'm just going to give him my kidney but that doesn't work right it doesn't no. what we plan out doesn't work and in in january of 2019 he started his dialysis and his his uh, health deteriorated from there because he in his head was he i'm not good for anybody so i'm now a lump and i'm not doing good so i'm just gonna give up and that's what he did he actually gave up so within a year less than a year he just passed away because his condition got really worse did he stop doing dialysis no he was doing dialysis but you know he didn't have just diabetic and issues he also had gi issues he had uh, he had broken his knee at one point but that made it very difficult he was in the hvac business so he could have climbed on the roofs where he needed to be so it, it just his whole world as he knew it fell apart and i feel that he gave up he just gave up because he thought he was a burden on me and you know, just one thing led to another. And then there could be something that I don't know what exactly, but I have a feeling that his diabetic issues were not controlled very well by the physician, mm -hmm. because at one point he was being given 45 units of insulin with his meals. But the, thank God for the Abbott Libre, the, the button that you just install in your arm and then you can check your sugars he wouldn't need 34 45 units he would need only four units so i don't know if all of that messed him up or not but it's been two and a half years and i often think about it but it is what it is and you just have to go with it so that's one resilience because as soon as he passed away i had to take care of all of the um, bills all of the tax season was coming up so I had to take care of all of that I had to go you know work out my insurance stuff because for us women have to go into seclusion where they are not being seen by anybody and they are just in the four corners of their home and they have to deal with it deal with the grief for four and a half months and this is something that all by themselves well you have family you can see family and you can be but 
you have to it's it's a compulsion thing it's something that's written in the quran that you have to go through this every woman does have to go through this but if you have family and friends come and visit you then it's okay but you are secluded in the sense that you don't see men don't see you right so you have to keep away from all of that and so that was hard and as soon as i entered we were hearing uh, that china had this virus and all of that and then all of a sudden as soon as i enter seclusion like the world shuts down the world was in seclusion at the same time so in a way it was okay because it made it easier but it wasn't because you can't um do anything so i i like you couldn't i couldn't do anything because no friends could come see me right my family couldn't come my kids would come they would come and visit me my grandkids would show up and but that it was the hardest four and a half months of my seclusion period and i felt like there was nobody there there was i felt very lonely you couldn't talk to your friends you couldn't have a heart to heart without somebody listening because even on zoom there was every any everybody was right there and so everybody was listening so that was pretty hard um but i then had to sit down you know years ago i had made this my years ago i had made up my mind that whatever happens to me i'm going to live for my kids so at this time in you know fast forward almost 37 years i'm thinking i have to live i can't just wither and die i'm not going to do that so then i started devouring materials and classes and all of that stuff reading my books and everything so that kept me alive because it gave me so many ideas and when i emerged from that even though covid wasn't over i kept i started my show right away i started you know um my ideas started bursting forth and i created a lot of things you get creative right adversity allows you to become creative so that happens too and 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 i'm here <laughs> in front of you two and a half years two and a half years later find, trying to figure out what next what should i do next right so it's not easy I, you can laugh about it but people always think that you're going to be okay but like somebody else told me you know it's like you've been shot in the heart and there's a hole there that you'll never be able to bury but and but you have a scar to prove it so yeah yeah well you know you're i'm sure your children are a, a real uh support for you even though they're not all with you i know you have one uh child there with you who's with you your son my son lives 20 minutes down the street yeah then great. my daughter lives an hour away so those oh. are the closest ones. And then I have a daughter in California, and then I have a daughter in in um, Toronto, Canada, and then I have a stepson in Minnesota. Oh, good. You can visit lots of different places there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have a weekend trip anywhere I want. <laughs> yeah. So are you, do you think, so what do you think it was that, you know, going through that tough period, what was it that that motivated you, moved you to just stand up and say, I'm moving on? Is it that you're so a lifelong learner and you just delved into more self-development and more learning? I I am I consider myself a student of life for life. 
<laughs> because I've, I've, the lessons I've learned are not from school or from any books. They've been actually handed to me. And I've gone through a lot of things in my life. But what made me, I, I had a, I had a good heart to heart talk after I got out of my seclusion, went to my husband's grave and I said, you know, you were supposed to be there for me, but you're gone. So I have to move on. Otherwise, I'm going to wither away. So I'm going to move on. It's not like I'm leaving you behind, but you left me. So I have to keep going. And the fact is, um, I, I joined a few widow groups on Facebook thinking I'm going to get some closure maybe and what i instead found was that the women who, there was one woman who for 13 years had not even touched her husband's items she would wow. dust around them yeah for and for 13 years and she's like i kept everything the way he it is and i feel his presence and you know and i'm like how can you live in the past you need to move on and then I talked to her and she was like, you wouldn't understand. And I was like, okay, <laughs> if you think so, I don't. But these are women, most of them were there. They were like the, the crabs in the bucket. You know, yeah. every time somebody tried to jump out, they would pull them back. There were other women, younger women who had lost their spouses and they were trying to find love in another place or they were, you know, they were dating somebody. And these women would just get back this, what is your problem? Why can't you just live a widow life? Why do you have to go and find some happiness and all that? And as I saw these groups, I mean, some ladies were supportive and they were just okay, but some people just, it broke my heart to f see them in that state and you couldn't do anything with them because they were so jam packed and so foundational. They was, you know, they were just, I think, cemented in their thought process. Yeah. The so the thing is, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I have to move on. So I, I then read a study about a man who had done studies on three-year-olds and what he said was three-year-olds laugh 60 50 50 to 67 percent of the time during the day anywhere any adult between 50 and 67 year old does not laugh even three times a day what so happiness has to come from within so one thing I had to do was be happy and just laugh and be happy. But the biggest problem, biggest hurdle that I had to overcome was forget what everybody said to me. I am at this point in my life. I'm just going to forgive the past and move on. Because I can't keep carrying burdens because it, it wears you out. It literally wears you out. And I saw that with my husband, both my husbands. They always had somebody to blame. Somebody said something so they wouldn't go forward. And because somebody said something, I'm just going to stand here and just stand here, you know. And I'm like, no, you have to go forward. Just forget it. Times, there are times when people say something to us. And in the moment of whatever, they said something to us. But we never have to hold on to them because you know what the person telling us something 
they move on. They don't even know they've said something, but we hold that back, so, hold it in our hearts so much that we don't move forward from there. And then we have all these bad thoughts about this person and we never forgive them. We don't move on. And that is a burden that we have to carry through through life. And that really hurts. Yeah, well, they're running around having a good time. They said something to you that that upset you. You're holding the grudge and you're the one who's not happy when it's them who caused it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Both your husbands were like that. Well, your first marriage was arranged, right? I was married at 15. Yes, he was um, 13 years older than me. Never treated Mm. me as a wife, always treated me as a child. My job in that marriage was to produce a son. And I had a son after three daughters. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so my so when my third daughter was born, my, my sisters-in-law just threw me out of the house. I, they would not, I came home with the baby and they would not open the door. When you came open, home with your third daughter? Yeah, they would not open the door. And then we had to have a pact. We had a meeting and we had a pact that we did. She was born in December, just after Christmas. and. She, by april i was to find a place and move out because i was no longer needed and the only thing i did was produce kids like a rabbit because my kids every two years i would have a child but i had three girls so i moved into a building that was a new building um it was a new construction but it was not completed so when it rained the rain would be, even though we had a roof, we, it would rain in our house. <laughs> and if it, when it rained and if it touched the wall, the electricity was done in such a poor manner that we would get electric, electric shock. <laughs> it's like stranger things. Right. <laughs> but you know, in any, com- in United States or any Western country, you wouldn't have a permit to live in an unfinished building. But this man needed the money to complete the building, so he allowed us to live in there. So there was. And where family. were you? Where were you living then? In Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Yeah, in Tanzania. And, and you were uh, in your early twenties, Munira. Uh, I when I had my son, I was twenty-four. Wow. So, yeah, I was a mom at twenty-four. <laughs> a mom of four at twenty-four. Yes, ma'am. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! And then. So that husband also passed away, right? Yes, he he had his uh, leg amputated with diabetes. Isn't and, it interesting how they both had that same thing? Right. And if I had no, if I had this, you know, one thing I tell women: if you're looking for love later in life, please make sure that you have a clean bill of health. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look for the for the bank bank account. I didn't look for that, but look for because you know what you're getting yourself into. But also somebody who is conscientious about their health, you know, somebody who can't, who doesn't take care of themselves will not take care of you. Yeah, but here you are. So how old were you when your husband died, the first husband? Oh, that was in 2014. We were divorced. Oh, okay. So I wasn't. Oh, you were divorced. You were divorced. I was. How'd you get divorced? I'm surprised your religion allowed that. No, so Islam is not very rigid on divorce. If it doesn't work out, yes. It, so there are rules, right? People just think that it's not a no-no. But it is part of 
you know, if it doesn't work, if you have tonsils that don't work, you got to take them out just like oh, that. You know, that's great. That's great. That's a nice, <laughs> nice thing to be able to do. Right. So I was able to do that because it just got to a point where we were just not compatible. And my kids, my kid, I always thought that once my kids were in college and they were done, I would leave. But my son was 10 when he said, you're going to die if you stay here. You need to leave. I mean, Your 10-year-old so said that to you? Yeah. So the kids are always watching. You have to remember that. And they know what's going, what's happening every time there's a fight or, you know, you have a discussion. They already know that. So we try to hide it from them. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And when he said that to me, I was very, very surprised of the fact that they were so cognizant of the fact and so I realized that I need to leave. Otherwise, I had promised myself years ago that I was going to live for my kids. And if I die or something happens to me here, then what's going to happen to them? Mm. So then I left for them. So then I had to go through the divorce proceedings. And then I was alone for 12 years. And then I got married to my second husband. But the, the thing is, one, they carry grudge. And two, they don't take care of themselves. And we, as in anger, in anger to the world, we say, we, we do that. We tend to do that. We say, we're not going to take care of ourselves. Well, it doesn't help you. So self-care is very, very important. You have to take care of yourself. So part of being resilient is what's in it for you. And you have to be very selfish and ask what's in it for you. And be selfish and ask for what you want. Right. So you have to ask yourself. You'll be usually talk. We hear coaches talk about what's, you know, people are going to ask if they come to our programs, they're going to ask us, what is it for me? But no, this is a conversation between yourself because you have to converse and you have to make sure that you know what you want. And you girls, and the WPN ladies are just putting that in my head right now. I mean, you must have been doing it, but I wasn't listening, wasn't tuned in, if you will. But now I'm tuned in and I'm like, I know what I want and I'm just going to put it together and get what I want. So self-care is important. It's not only, um, you know, getting your nails done or getting a massage or get a facial done or something like that. But it is just for you. So the men in my life didn't think about that. They were just there for everybody else, for their work. My, hus my first husband was a jeweler and a watch repairer. So he was there for all his customers. My second husband was an HP guy. And all he did was take care of his customers because he was worried about the inventory that would spoil in the refrigerators if he wasn't showing up. But what about you? Who's taking care of you? Anything. What a great message. What a great message, Munira, really. And we've only scratched the surface of the things you've experienced in your life. I mean, you were 30 years old. You moved to the United States. Did the kids come with you when you moved? Oh, yes. I brought yeah, them. four children with you when you moved to the United States at 30 years old. And you've been through so much. And somehow, some way, you know, you're still standing. 
because you take care of yourself, because you move on, because you don't hold grudges, because you know how important it is to be light in life. I love that statistic about uh, three-year-olds are laughing 50 to 67% of the day. And most adults, 50 or older, laughs, uh, laugh less than three times. I wonder what the gradation is on that. Like, when do you stop laughing? But that's really great advice right there. Do you know when do you stop? Like when you're in your 30s, does that start to happen? I think we we tend we have an ego and we are taught at I think about 20 to be serious and you know you yeah, you're at work now. I, you have to know you act your age, you know. And like I have workers in my I work right now and I'm in the clinic I have a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old kids who are learning how to be MAs and we are teaching them and their goal in life is to become something in medical field. So they will come here and they giggle all the time and sometimes I just look at them. And then one time I was just so busy with something and I just said like keep it down guys and they were like what you want us to stop laughing I said I don't want you to stop laughing I just want you to keep it down you're bothering me so you know there are days when you don't want to be he he hearing a lot of laughter but that's when I started thinking about the statistics is that these kids even at 22 if I had told them act your age and be serious they would stop laughing and then they would go into this mode where Oh, we only have to laugh. It's only an etiquette thing. You know, it's not just laugh, man. For God's sake, you, the, <clears throat> somebody told me a long time ago, if you can laugh at yourself, it's the best kind of laughter because you make all the mistakes. And, you know, I could write a book on all the blunders I made when I came to United States and what I've done, right? <laughs> so many blunders I have done. But, when you sit back and you listen and you talk about it with your friend and you say, you remember that time what happened and you laugh about it. It that's yeah. the time when you need to, you, you figure out how much you've grown. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Munir is a hobby. You amaze me every time we talk. You really do. Look at you laughing. I love that. And you now have you have to, and your customer, your clients get to work with you and you help them find where they should be navigating their businesses and who the right customer is for them. And when you know who it is you're speaking to, it makes it so much easier to create your messaging, so much easier. And now you're doing showing people how to do podcasts? Yes, that's part of the program. So because everybody has a message, everybody has a story, they got to tell it. Because like you said, how do people, people don't do businesses with businesses, they do businesses with people. And if you like a person, then you always want to go back to that person. So if they know this person, and if they have a story, then you can say, remember, you talked about this, and I that resonated me with me because my story now works on, along the same, same time. I went to a convention about six years ago, and this guy was talking about how his father was had a car and he would just cram everybody in the early 40s in the car and they would just um you know uh they would um he would take them fishing and stuff like that the 40s wasn't like you had internet and all that so it was easy they would go fishing they would go in the park and then his father got sick but he had to sell his car because he wanted the kids to go to school and then he said, at one point, I started making money and I bought my father a, a, a car. And he spoke about that whole 
length of time. And it was a 40 minute solid time where he literally spoke about his father and finally he died. But there was not one one eye in the audience that was dry. Everybody was crying. Yeah. So very moving, right? So how do you, because we, I started thinking about how the hardships my parents went through. And so we always resonate with people's stories. And my life, I, I can tell you right now, there is nobody in on earth who has lived my life or can live my life because this this was just dealt this story was written only for me right so how i deal with it is going to be the next step because if you don't deal with it you become paralyzed you become stagnant and then you just wilt away and die well you are quite the resilient woman and i admire you so much for being that you just um how you stay in a positive mindset that it's going to work out and you take the steps to make it happen. Munir is a hobby. You are truly someone who is real and who is uh, an inspiration to all of us. Thank so you. thank, oh my pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us today Can and I for sharing your story. Yes. Yes. You know, one thing I, I realized later in life, was that God never asks, never wants bad things to happen to you. So it's always going to write itself. Like we talk about the stock market writing itself. So we are always, it's going to write itself, but they're just hurdles that we have to overcome. And once we learn that, once we accept that, all the hurdles become easier to accept. At that particular time, we wanna cry, we wanna scream, we, we blame God for everything, I know for sure that he's got something better on the other side. Wow. And Great advice, Munira. Great thanks. advice. Thank you so much for being with us. And thank you all for joining us today. Whether you're watching live or you're watching on a replay, I'm glad you took the time. I hope you are too, because Munira is totally inspiring. You know, that roller coaster of life, she's good at getting back up. And we could all use a little more of that. Munir Zahabi, thank you so much for being with us. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you all for joining us. And I hope you too can be real, get real. And when you do, you achieve real results. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you, bye.